is uh, Jailbreak by Finn uh, Lizzie and from the album Live and Dangerous, uh, the extraordinary double live album from 1978, which is John Fardy's choice for the cultural toolbox this week. Uh, John, you're very welcome as always. Thank you, Shane. Lovely to be here talking about what I think is the greatest live album ever. And Really? That, that big... Uh, and it's Irish. You know, yeah. You, would you go fantastic. that far to create a well, live Well, to be album? honest with you, the whole live album thing, I think so many of them are just a waste of time. I don't get it. I mean, like, I, I just, I, I don't, I'm not mad about live albums for some reason. I just, often, the singing doesn't sound as good, the, the playing's, you know, people go, oh, it's looser, it sounds better, it's not studio mix, but I just think it doesn't sound as good. Now, there are notable exceptions, and this would be... A, a clear notable exception and my certainly my favourite one if not the best okay, because be- he actually sounds nearly better you know it's not heresy to say it on this album than he does on any other album OK before we get to why this album works yeah. I mean just tell us a, a little bit about Tin Lizzy because there may even be younger yeah, sure. listeners who aren't really aware of, yeah. of Phil Lynott and, and Tin Lizzy and yeah. at a time when you know Irish music wasn't exactly making that no, many waves no, on, the, no. on the global uh, scene Absolutely not well they would have started in the late 60s and they were a group of mostly Irish musicians and in the, and they were kind of they, they started off gentler kind of vague I don't want to say folk but the, when you when you hear the early stuff, it, it, it's a quieter, slightly mellower kind of sound. They became much rockier and they hit a peak. I mean, 1974, they had Whiskey in the Jar, which is that traditional Irish song and it's rocked up and they hated it. They thought it was a B-side and the record company put it out and it was a hit. It was a hit in Britain. But they, they really, they really, they thought, you know, it was too kind of stage Irishman kind of, you know, which you can see, even though it's a good song, you can see you wouldn't want that to be your calling card. But then from about 75 to 78, they had this glorious period. You'd Phil Lynott, who was the lead singer. And there was a few different incarnations and they had, you know, a lot of rows <laughs> along the way. But the best, and most Lizzie fans will agree with this, the best incarnation was, as I say, uh, Brian Downey on drums, Scott Gorham on guitar, and, and, and Brian Robertson also on guitar. They were a dual guitar band for much of it, which is unusual, yeah. where the two guitarists both played lead. And for people who've never heard of them, they played pretty strong, heavy rock music but in a way they were almost a pop band because of Lynott's songwriting sensibility and that beautiful voice even when he's you know in jailbreak shouting out the lyrics there's a there's a tenderness to it there's a soft quality to it like Jimi Hendrix had in certain songs even though Phil Lynott is clearly like you know for want of a better phrase a man's man mm. there's a beautiful song as you can see from the album voice. cover here yes one of the great <laughs> album covers of all time spandex bass guitar Big bushy hair and yeah, a crotch. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken from the. It's shot from the, from basically below the stage. I exactly, yeah. exactly. A bird's eye view. <laughs> and the thing is, they, this was they they were at the peak and they wanted to capture how good the live show was going. They'd just come off the Bad Reputation tour and they they'd had the Boys Are Back in Town and songs like that. And they were at their biggest and the best and they wanted to capture that sound because they really thought they were great live and they were. Not that uh, I ever they, saw them. They had this, I mean, Phil Line was this extraordinarily charismatic oh. character, although apparently not always like that. Apparently quite shy and retiring yeah. as a uh, as a front man and that only came in kind of later years. Yeah. Um, but certainly by then he had become this very charismatic oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no he was a shy guy but he you know uh, you know uh, michael jackson was an incredibly shy man as we know, and then just lived on stage became somebody else but when you see phil line in interviews he's very charismatic 
you know, e- even when he's being slightly shy, there was just something about him. Those, those, you know, wild looking eyes that kind of pierced into you and his mm. slow delivery. And he was a very funny kind of guy as well. He had a great sense of humour. You know, and he'd had an unusual childhood. I mean, to be black growing up when he did and being in a rock band it was it was very unusual yeah for I mean today it wouldn't be unusual Not in Ireland but in 1960s Crumlin yeah. this would have been it would have been unusual yeah and he, you know he, he wanted to be a poet and stuff and he just always had this sense that he had a, a different calling now his childhood wasn't you know destitute or anything he, he's quite a happy child yeah and, 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 and he spent a lot of time with his granny as well as his mother and you know he was very sociable but he, he, he did admit later on that being a you know a a black guy growing up in that time was unusual and he certainly felt different uh, and he poured it into kind of creative pursuits as he saw it and you know he considered himself quite the poet at times over his career as well and some of the lyrics you know are, I'm not going to say they're poems or anything but when they're set to music by gosh they work yeah um so why does this album work when other live albums don't because I actually think some of the songs sound better. They're in such a groove, the band, and there's no looseness to them. They actually sound nearly tighter on this live album than they do on some of the studio albums. His voice is just brilliant. It sounds like it's in a studio, which brings us to the slight elephant in the room. Does it sound so good? Because it was kind of dubbed over, basically. Well, you see, it's it's hard to know how dubbed over it was. Uh, Tony Visconti said, the legendary producer, who a lot of people know from his work with David Bowie, uh, famously said 75% of it was studio, and the band completely rubbished that. And they said that... The reason why some of it was overdubbed in the studio was for tax purposes, that it was easier to get tax breaks. I don't quite understand this, but if, if part of it was in the studio or something like that, you know, okay. it's, it's, it's lost in rock and roll lore. But the thing is, I'm not sure how much of it is and isn't, but it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. You know, have a, have a listen to something else. You know, they were also prepared to play ballads in mm. concerts. And here's one of the great ones, Still in Love With You. I think I'll fall to pieces If I don't find something else to do This sadness, it never ceases Oh, I'm still in love with you It's a lovely song. I have to say, when I came to that song, listening to it, I was a little relieved um, because I, I look. And I know this is going to be heresy to <laughs> to Thin Lizzy fans. Like I love, I love Thin Lizzy. Yeah. I love listening to their songs. I found the whole album just a little bit too much. Too much. Too many guitar solos. Too much in your face macho guitar. Now, look, some people love that. Yeah. 
you know, I actually like the mellow. I loved Sarah that that single they had a few yeah. years after after yeah. this album. Well, look, it's you know, to me, this is a postcard from the heart of rock and roll. Or yeah, no, it like is. That. It's full on in your. I'm face, just saying, return to center. No, I'm not saying you know? return to yeah. center. Yeah, go on. Um, <laughs> but it really, it really is. You know, and you mention uh, his the, the song Sarah there. I mean, he was a he was a doting father. He really was. He adored his two girls. And you know, there's this great story that somewhere in the early 80s he met, I think it was a former Lizzie guy because as I say, they came and went a lot. Uh, and he was in a supermarket, you know, and he bumped into him in the chat and away and he said, oh man, I've got two chicks in the car. You want to come out and see these? And the guy's going, oh Phil, I'm not really into that anymore, you know? <laughs> I said, come on, come on, come on. He goes, check these out. And it was his two daughters there just smiling up at him. Like he was, he, he adored his kids, you know, and it's just, you know, that timeless tale of this great talent that's brought down by his own demons very very sad the way he ended very up very sad i mean i i i remember I remember where I was when I when I heard uh, in he, he had died. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, early 1986. It was it was yeah, just after January Christmas. 4th, I remember yeah. it was on my Christmas holidays. We had this crappy little snooker table. I was playing snooker <laughs> on the telly was on the background, and I heard the news. Uh, it was at literally I think it was on the BBC News. It was yeah. announced, and I remember being really shocked. Yeah. And he was what 36. Yeah, it was. It, 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 it's really terribly sad the way he ended up. You know, and I just don't think he's. Celebrated. He wouldn't enough. even be seventy if he was still no, alive I know. today. I mean, I know. It's I, but but I, but I, I don't. Is he think not celebrated? I mean, just a statue there off. I know, um, but I think I guess in, in, in the in the musical firmament, I suppose. I don't think Lizzie's place is in that enough. Like uh, Joe Elliott from uh, Def Leppard is big on this. He's a massive fan, and, and you know they they have they affected Bruce Springsteen. I, I think you can hear a lot of Lizzie and Bruce Springsteen and stuff. You know that that song, Old Town. Uh, which came out years afterwards. He's been spending and blah, blah, blah. I won't sing it. We've tried that before. It hasn't worked. But the director of that video, whose name escapes me, talks about filming that. It's all shot in Dublin, the old town, and said, you know, it was this dark time in the 80s, you know, recession hit Dublin. And working with them all day long, he was just this bright light around the place and walking down the street and everybody waved at him and he waved at everyone. And then, you know, at lunchtime, they'd be sitting, having a pint or whatever, and this little envelope would appear and he'd disappear to the toilets and he'd come back, you know, and that happened on the three days of the shoot. And I just think it perfectly captures, you know, the majesty and the tragedy of the man. Here Mm. he was, you know, this lighthouse around the streets of Dublin at the same time he had this, you know, fatal flaw. It's not a short album. It's what no. an hour and an hour and a quarter. One sixteen, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, hallelujah. I say it's a shame it's not two hours. Like when you go down the track list, to me, it feels a bit like a greatest hits. You've got Jailbreak, you've got Rosalie, and his stage band. It, it doesn't have Old Town. It doesn't have Sarah. I suppose. No. They, it, yeah. If you were ideally making this album, I yeah, mean, they hadn't. There was no point. They couldn't be honest because they weren't made <laughs> no, yet. Exactly. But, well but spotted. I, ideally, you'd love those to be on it as well. Yeah, you? I guess. But you know, as I say, it would have been a different album at that stage because they weren't the band that they were when those songs were out this was them at the height of the powers and his stage banter you know some people might think it's rock and roll cliche I love you know I want to get you moving on this one anyone have any Irish in them and you know I just I, I just think it's wonderful I really do Okay. Um, by the way, do we do we know where it was? Uh, wh- Toronto and London, apparently. You know. Okay. Two yeah. two venues. Okay. Yeah. 
All right, good stuff. Um, we are going to play out with... Well, uh, the boys are back in yes, town. Well, one of the greatest one rocks. Of the greatest, and a else? song of summer, really, you know. The nights are getting warmer. It won't be long now. You know, summer's here. It's just one of those. Punch the air. It's everything. It's all things to all men and women. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> I feel stuff. like great. a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like one. Um, okay, great choice uh, from John Fardy. I was going to say as ever, but I wouldn't go that no. far. Uh, but no, great choice. The album is uh, is live and dangerous by uh, Tim Lizzie. That's our lot uh, for today. We'll be back at 10am uh, next Sunday just time for me to thank the Sunday show team uh, Aidan McKelvey who researched Stephen Jordan who produced Off the Ball is up next have a great Sunday the boys are back in town Guess you just got there today The wild eyed boys did a bit away Haven't changed had much to say